Welcome to the Education, Career, and Beyond podcast. We've combined life experience with young adult drive and ambition. Are you just starting to college plan? Did you finish your education and wonder, now what? Join us in this lively discussion about the topics you need to know to create the next stage of your life's dreams, careers, finances, education, and more. Brought to you by Voice for Heroes 501c3. We were having so much fun behind the scenes that we almost forgot to go live and actually let you join us on this show. Welcome to the Education, Career, and Beyond podcast. Once again, I'm Amy Scruggs, one of your hosts, alongside Ed Sanderson and Capri Suarez, who is back at Purdue University. If you follow us, you know that she was home for the summer, back for her second year at school, and so excited that she still fits us in at this time. So we're really thrilled about that. But this is going to be a lot of fun as we go through different topics, everything from careers to motivation to the the norms inside the box of what young adults are going through in school and beyond, but then also some of those outside of the box of, wow, I can do that too. And today's guest is going to fit right into that mold. We have Connor Kelly. He went from being a plumber to having a real estate empire, and he is a TikTok star. So we're going to have a lot of fun discussing his journey, his challenges, what he's learned, and maybe there's something we can all take away and apply into what we're doing today to say, wow, I can do that too. Welcome to the show, Connor. I love it. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for joining us, Connor. Absolutely. Anytime. I know we all have so many questions, but we're going to let you actually start this off because I love, even in your intro, it starts off with plumber for nine years and then boom, over to the incredible career you have in real estate. Why don't you share with us your background as you, as you see fit? Yeah. So I did plumbing for nine years. Um, I would say I, I honestly didn't enjoy it. Like my dad was a mechanic. He always wanted me to come outside, help him with the cars and stuff like that. But I just was never interested in in doing mechanical stuff, but it paid really well. So I ended up doing it for like nine years. And then uh, kind of around age 22 is when I got my, they call it your, your it's uh, it's called a red seal out here. You guys call it like master plumber or something like that over there in the States. But that's when you're a fully licensed, like you're making close to the cap that you would make as a plumber. So once I started making that, I realized like, hey, this uh, this is going to take me a really long time to live the life that I want to live. So I kind of started like self-educating, stumbled across real estate, uh, bought my first property. Then when I was 23, I bought my second property, 25, wow. bought my third. And then I realized I was like, yo, I'm going to need to own a lot of these to again, live the life that I want to live. And that's going to take 15 years. And I don't, I don't like doing this job. Like I'm like, I do this job like 60, 70 hours a week and I don't like it. Why do why am I doing stuff where I don't like 70 hours of my life every week? It just doesn't make sense. So everyone that I kind of looked up to was a, a realtor. They went from being a realtor to a real estate investor. And I was just like, maybe that's like the natural progression of kind of where I want to go. So I got my real estate license and then here we are now. I love it. First of all, my 23-year-old just got his real estate license, so I'm going to make sure that he has to listen to this. So, Jeff, you're going to listen to this. That's it. And, Connor, tell our audience as well where you are in the world. I'm in Vancouver, Canada, uh, Rain City, they call it out here. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Ed and Capri, I'm going to let you guys kick this off. Whoever wants to go first. Go ahead, Capri. I have have a question about your start in real estate um so you bought three properties you said before you knew anything about real estate well i i I like dove into just self-educating so for a while i was just kind of reading books and listening to the bigger pockets podcast 
And they kind of, they were like, oh, you know, cash flow, cash flow, cash flow was like their whole thing. So I actually bought those properties out of province, one in Ontario and one in Alberta that I never even saw, um, just kind of sight unseen because they cash flowed. Because in Vancouver here, nothing cash flows. Everything's like a million bucks, right? So Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you did that. And then slowly you started, you decided that you didn't just want to be like a realtor. You wanted to be a realtor investor or property investor. Is that... Yeah, like I I figured, well, actually, my passion started in real estate investing. And I figured if I'm a realtor, I can see the deals first. They, 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 Mm. and like because I'm working in the market, I'll have a really good knowledge of the market. I'll know instantly what's a good deal so I can move on it right away was my initial reason for getting my real estate license. But then I kind of fell in love with social media and business, which is kind of my new passion now. And we're going to touch into that. Mm -hmm. That's important. Okay. Sorry, we can That's talk about that a little later. No, you're good. <laughs> That's really interesting. Do you think yeah. it's a, it's, oh, sorry. No, it's I you. I do want a chance. No, Capri, sounds like you have another question. Please go ahead. <laughs> All right. I just like, I think that, so I think that taking risks is really hard. And I can't imagine as like being a realtor, you're not only like spending money to buy a property, but also like will that property what will it do for you kind of thing so do you find it hard or easy to take risks in your business it's hard like it's definitely not easy but this is the way i looked at it all right i'm working 70 hours a week at something that i hate and then i sleep like whatever eight hours a day so there isn't much time spent doing stuff that i actually enjoy doing so my two options were take a chance at a life that i enjoy or just live an entire life that i hate 80 percent of It just doesn't, I'm like, what's the risk right now? Right? Like I have basically Mm -hmm. nothing to lose was the way that I looked at it. Right. Walk me through that process, buying that first property at 23, because we have a lot of our young adult audience and we know what home prices are all over the U S especially. It doesn't matter where everything is inflated. What was it like for you at 23 to have that first set of keys put in your hands and to actually do it? It was a massive weight off uh, off my shoulders. Like here in Vancouver, it's almost like the narrative is is uh, it's 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 scary to not own property, and people are almost buying property out of fear that the prices are going to run away on them, which is quite mm. literally the case, right? So, yeah, the second I bought that property, it was like, whew, all right, now I can relax a little bit. Like I'm in the market, I've got time to think about my next move now, right? But up until that point, I was just doing everything I could to get into that first property. Right. That's incredible. I can't imagine at 23. Ed, when did you buy your first house? 26. Uh, You were 26? Yeah. I was 26 as well. Yeah. And then I ran off five. So so bought and sold my first one in a year. Bought another one right before. I had another house in escrow. escrow, And then 9-11 hit and I panicked. So I let that house go and then I bought another one and then I bought three investment properties after everything settled down after 9-11. So I I, I, I kind of with Connor, it's like I think there's an argument to be made that wealth is established through real estate. If you ever want to know how McDonald's has all their money and where it's at, it's in real estate. Most uh, religious affiliated places have their money in real estate. Wow. Real estate is where the average Joe can create wealth 
and not only wealth for themselves, but generational wealth for their family. So I kind of get where Connor's coming from on that subject. Um, as long as you don't make, I mean, Connor, you could probably speak to this when you're talking about the runaway market and, you know, the potential recession on the front side or the back side. You could talk about risk versus reward. I think that's more along the question Capri was asking. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I'll get to that in a second. But I really wanted to ask you about this comment you made about passion. Yeah. So you're doing this career. And like Amy said, our, our show is geared towards parents who have young kids getting ready to go to college and into a career or young people who are trying to find their way through college and ultimate career. And I got to tell you, Connor, there's a lot of young people out there doing a job they hate, mm-hmm. particularly if they have a family already. So my journey was I did the job I had to do because I had a wife and a son. At what point do you did you make the decision that the life worth living is about the passion? And how did you construct that bridge from being the plumber to being, being the real estate? Was it like um, over and out or did you do it incrementally where you kept your day job? Can you talk a little bit mm, about that? Great, Ed. Yeah. So I saved up some expenses. It really wasn't much at all. I I must've had like three or four months. And then I actively was working towards getting my license, working 10 hours, 12 hours a day, coming home, doing the course, whatever. And then once I had passed the course, I literally quit uh, my full-time job at that point, like had no connections, uh, had nothing set up in my business, nothing, just quit full-time and jumped into it. And the ideology behind that was humans rarely perform unless it's out of necessity which basically means you're not going to do anything unless you absolutely have to. And that's why everybody's homework gets done the night before it's due. Right. At least I know for me, that's, that was the case. <laughs> so for me, it's just like, if, if you kind of hang on to that port, that, that job or that part-time job and then try to start that business, it's really difficult, man. Like if, if, if you have a plan B, then th- th- you're not going to do everything it takes to make plan A work. Right. The second yeah. plan A gets hard. You're just going to revert back to plan B. Right. That's my honest opinion. No, and I appreciate that. So, but the takeaway that I have here, and Connor, correct me if I heard this incorrectly, was there's a component where you started to build the the proverbial life raft. You set aside money and resources so that you had something as you made that transition. Did I hear that correctly? Correct. Yeah, so I think, you know, the plan around shifting from plan B to plan A is still about planning, right? Um, How did you know that um, the real estate component was your passion? Like, Mm. what was the thing about that, that you went, oh man, I got to go here and I got to go here right now? Because I I loved it, man. I just loved consuming all the real estate content. Like I... I'm not like, I'm a C minus student. Like I don't consume education. stuff. You know what I mean? Like it's not my forte, but when it came to real estate, I could come home from work and just watch videos about real estate. I could listen to real estate podcasts, consume real estate books. And then that's what I spent pretty much all my free time doing at that point. So that's how I knew that I was passionate about it. And I love to talk about it too. Right. So that's kind of how I knew. That's an interesting point. So I want to stay on that for a second, Connor. Uh, for you folks out there listening to this, I, I think the message, and Connor, you can elaborate on this. I get the impression that it consumes you. If it's something yes. that you think about and you talk about and you're readily sharing, I learned this, I saw this with other people, 
that's probably a pretty clear indication that that's the thing you're probably geared to do. Would you expound on that or, or you know, talk about that a little bit? Yeah. I mean, and, and like the, the thing is, is just like everybody, like you'll know your passion once it comes, you know what I mean? Like you just, you just know that like, this is what I like to spend my time doing. And the thing is like today with the internet and all these social media platforms and everything, like you can monetize literally anything, like everything is monetizable. Like I'd follow this guy who makes prank calls where he just like farts into the phone, but he has like a million followers. <laughs> <laughs> right like the stupidest okay, thing to I see your career right? change coming right there <laughs> yeah <laughs> but like literally That's anything easy. right so and everyone has something they're passionate about they may not have just thought of a way to actually make money off that passion right, right. no that Con makes sense go ahead amy I'm curious if, if mentoring was an important role. Did you have mentors that walked you through as you were making these transitions, making these decisions? Do you still have mentors today as you continue your success model in real estate? Outside of the people that I followed on YouTube, like I didn't have anybody in the physical world that was a mentor. Today, I have a coach that I pay good money to Excellent. that kind of directs me and stuff like that. But at that time, I didn't really have any influences kind of in the physical world to help guide me. Everybody was kind of like, what are you doing, man? Like, this is a, a great career. You're making great money. You already own such and such property. Like, why would you leave all that kind of thing? Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I mainly just kind of listened to the people that I looked up to on YouTube, I would say. So I guess you could call those, those people mentors. Can I ask a follow-up question about the coach, Amy, since he yeah, brought please. it up? So, Connor, why is the coach important in your life, and why did you decide to get one? Yes. The, so what a good coach does is I think people have a, a, a incorrect or misguided perception of what coaching is, right? So they're like, why would I buy this? All that information is for free on YouTube, right? Okay, but one, it's organized information. So all this information might take you, you know, four years of scanning through and watching YouTube every single night. And then it's all kind of disorganized in your brain and not, you know, all put in the right uh, compartments of your brain. Whereas you can just pay somebody, get all the information and learn it in like a week, right? So it's just like time is money. That's going to propel you very uh, much further ahead in your life. And, you know, not knowing the answer to the question costs you money every day. So sometimes it's just worth it to get ahead, right? But what a good coach realistically does is they change your perspective on things, right? So they're going to tell you the way that they view certain things, and then it may help you break through a plateau. So like something my coach has really helped me do is just stay consistent, uh, very consistent. Uh, he's changed my diet and... Uh, just overall, like the, my outlook of just like, he took my short-term kind of mindset and made it extremely long-term just by the way that he phrased certain concepts to me resonated and stuck inside my head. And that's kind of what a good coach will do. Right. What about the accountability portion? Because yes, we can consume that content. I can read books. I can look up YouTube. I can do a lot of self-service in my growth, but accountability do you feel that that was a component having that coach that you have that takes you that next level? Definitely. Yeah. Accountability is definitely a part of it too. Right. And, and like for me, my coach, there's two different coaching types. There's compassion and compression. I got a coach that teaches via compression. Right. So that just, that holds me accountable because I know if I don't do it, I was supposed to do like, this guy's going to lose his freaking head on me the next time we're in a zoom call. 
right? So definitely the accountability for sure. Now, Connor, you know, Ed has been a coach for young adults for many years. Ed, are you compassion or compression or both? <laughs> uh, that's a great question. Uh, I'm usually compassion, um, but I always tell a young person or, and their parents before we engage that if things get a little where there's no accountability, back to Connor's statement, that things are, the homework's not being done, that we're going to schedule what I like to call a come to Jesus meeting. And in that meeting, we're going to have a serious conversation about what's important and why is it important. And believe it or not, I have more of that dialogue with the parents than I do with the students because the parents may be thinking part-time job is important before you go to school, um, extracurricular community service, social activities. But as Connor could speak to, and Connor, I would like you to speak to this, there's a, t a window where you have got to get a lot done in order to reach your goal. If you see the opportunity, you've got to be able to move through it. And I think sometimes the distractions don't always mean a long-term advantage or a long-term win. You have to be ready. And I think Capri could probably talk to this too because we went through this together. She had social stuff, community service, athletics, you have to set the time aside to do what you need to do. Because like Connor said, if you don't exercise, if you don't move plan B to plan A, next thing you know, you're going to be in trouble because that window is going to close and you're not going to achieve what you set out to achieve. So Connor, if you want to talk about the prioritization of that, I know you mentioned it before, Capri, you want to talk about, hey, sometimes that coach is there to give you the rah-rah speech, and sometimes they're there to give you the kick-in-the-butt speech, and sometimes a good coach does both of those things. That's my thought on it. Definitely. Yeah, 100% agree. Yeah. So true. I think a lot of it, like what Connor said earlier, if you have the passion for it, you're going to make it a priority. It's going to be the thing that consumes you always, and so if you have the passion, you – either have to make it a priority, get rid of that plan B or let the passion guide you and you'll end up there. Well, yeah. I mean, let's face facts, Connor. The life of a plumber is literally that four letter word. You're dealing with it all the time, literally. And you've just got to make a commitment to get out of it. So that's, that's a bit of a metaphor, but I think that's how it is. If you want to change your circumstances, you better be prepared to do something about it. Otherwise you're going to be swimming in that. Yeah. hundred percent. You got to be all time. in. You got to have focus. Right. Um, I, I know like a lot of people, they, they under, they underestimate what focus actually means. Like, you know, when I was getting out of that job uh, and still to this day, like uh, May 9th, 2020, I stopped drinking, smoking everything and I don't have any vices. So that was for me, like I have zero distractions. This is what I'm focusing on. This is the only thing that I'm doing. Like I didn't do anything else. Basically, I didn't go on vacations, no traveling, no nothing, no drinking, no hanging out with friends. I literally just did that. Right. And a lot of the times that's what it takes. Right. It was a dedicated time to get you where you knew you needed to be. Exactly. Yeah. Connor, I would love to delve over a little bit because this is definitely right in my fun space and wheelhouse of branding, branding oh. and utilizing social media and digital media. Ed, did you want, did you have something first? Yeah, I want to, I definitely want to hear about that transition. But before we leave this topic, Connor, what I really want to ask you on behalf of the young people out there, 
which did you have first the vision of what you wanted to accomplish in terms of your lifestyle or did you build it not knowing exactly what you like you know a lot of people talk about vision boards right so did you have a vision of what that was going to look like and you built accordingly or did you just start building and it manifested itself as you started to accumulate your independence your property and ultimately your wealth i, th I was thinking about this the other day i th i think i had a vision for the person i wanted to be not necessarily the life I wanted to live, but the person that I wanted to become. Because a lot of the people that I followed, like I said, were like realtor influencers. And I was like, that's what I want to do one day. I want to be like a realtor influencer, right? And it took five years to get there. But the thing is, is, is uh, you attract success by the person that you become, right? So like a lot of people will say like, oh, how do I get 100,000 followers on uh, Instagram or whatever, right? Well, you're looking at it from the wrong frame of mind. It's not how do I do that? It's who has 100,000 followers on Instagram and then become the person that 100,000 people actually want to follow, right? Mm. That's brilliant. Interesting. Interesting. Sorry to interrupt, Amy. Continue with the question. No, that's fine. That's fine because that, that leads right into that and how important really your branding and the consistency of your branding so that people know really who you are when they look you up. Let's talk about your digital strategy and how important your branding is for your success. Yeah, it's everything. I am just violently in front of people all day, every day. I post two to four times on TikTok. I post one Instagram reel. I post uh, on my story several times a day, two YouTube shorts, and then two to four YouTube videos a week across two different channels, and then probably two to three podcasts a week as well. So I'm just violently just my whole strategy is just volume quantity try to get as many people as possible to know who i am how how is it for you finding the quality of what you're putting out as well sorry capri i'll shut up no that was my question too amy <laughs> that was just me too yeah yeah so uh you can't have quality without quantity first right so the equation uh if so you get quality by building skill and you can't have skill without volume times time. So if you want to build skill, you need a lot of volume and a long time frame to actually build that skill. So people are like quality over quantity, but how do you even get quality without putting out enough quantity to start the feedback loop to tell you what you're doing wrong initially to troubleshoot, then fix it and make a better video, right? So my whole Boom. thing was, yeah, like when I started YouTube, everyone's yes. like, oh, it's going to take like three years until you build a following and stuff on there. I'm only at like a thousand subs right now. But people are like, oh, it's going to take three years. So I was like, okay, three years. I'm like, how many videos is that? People shoot one video a week. That's 52 videos a year. I'm like, I'm just going to shoot like 150 videos in the next four months and just get like three years. Wow. Brilliant. Right? That was my initial plan. How do you not lose motivation when you're doing that? And like energy, how do you have the energy for that? I think it just stop drinking to... and smoking. <laughs> yeah, well, that definitely that. I mean, I don't have anything to take me away from. Who doesn't have adult children? That too. That too. But uh, I think it just comes down to like I am ridiculously paranoid that like if what's going to happen if I don't post this video, like, it's just, is my whole life just going to get derailed? Like if I don't post this video, am I going to lose my motivation to do everything? And just like, cause I've been there so many times in my life where like you miss the gym two days in a row. And then the third day it's like exponentially harder to go back to the gym. Like it's near impossible. Right. So like, I'm at the point where I'm like, I'm so paranoid that I'm like, I don't know what will happen if I don't post this video. So I have to post it. Right. Like is my whole business going to collapse if I just don't post this video. Right. 
That's intense. You're in in extreme discipline. Yes, you're in the extreme routine and discipline of what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, basically, yeah. (laughs) What I'm trying to figure out, Connor, is how TikTok fits into. Now, I'll preface this by saying I don't know much about TikTok. That's not my generational thing. But I'm trying to figure out if you could explain to folks out there how TikTok fits into your real estate business and how effective has it been for you? So TikTok has by far been the most effective thing in my business for a multitude of reasons. Yeah. Like I would say probably like 70% of my business comes through TikTok and um, for a multitude of reasons. So number one, if you're a local business, the way the algorithm works is based on your IP address. So you put out a video, it shows it to people locally. And then based on average watch time, then the algorithm will decide to push it out like, you know, um, uh, interprovincially or internationally or nationally or whatever, but it starts with your local market. So it's basically like a bus bench ad if you're a realtor or a mortgage broker, but on steroids because people actually see your personality and, and connect yeah. with you. And, yeah. um, and uh, it's just the platform that has the most reach. Like it's, it, the algorithm is insanely powerful. It is a very addictive app. It knows exactly what you want to see. And uh, just the views on there are just insanity in comparison to anywhere else. And, you know, I know people are like, oh, well, it's kind of not my generation to be on that app, right? Or I don't like That has changed. It's changed. And people think it's basically all the same stuff. The only thing that changes is the algorithm from app to app. But the same content that's on Instagram is the same content that's on TikTok. And in fact, probably 50% of the content that's on Instagram is just people reposting stuff off of TikTok for the most part. So it's all the same. And how these out, how every platform operates is based on supply and demand. So currently right now, the reason why it's so easy to get your video seen on TikTok, why it's so easy to have that reach is because there's a lot more people consuming the content in comparison to the people creating it. Whereas on Instagram, you have all these established creators that have been doing it for like 10 years. And it's right. kind of like the supply demand is an equilibrium. Well, it's not like that because once TikTok came out, all the people who knew Instagram and knew YouTube, not all of those people transferred over to TikTok. Yes. So that imbalance is still there on that app. That is fascinating. See? Yes. Connor, that was brilliant. Brilliant sound bites. We needed that. I Thank tried. you. <laughs> we're all taking notes. It's incredible. Hey, I know we're going to get out of here pretty quick, Connor, but you said something that I'd like to get back to and then, you know, Amy, Capri, you can ask him whatever you want. I'll shut my mouth. Um, you talked about a change in your lifestyle, what you eat, what you put in your body, what you drink, your smoking. Um, can you talk to the young people? Because college students sometimes get a little carried away in that regard. No. I don't want to say everyone, but they do. And young people in general. Why was that an important decision for you and what impact did it have on your life? I would attribute most of my success to that decision. I think people don't understand how much this stuff affects you. There's a brain fog that you get from drinking and most people won't even know that it exists because if you're like me, you've probably never gone three months without drinking since you're 14 or 15 years old. But once you stop drinking after that first three months of being off of it, suddenly there's like this brain fog that just gets lifted and you can think way more clearly and make better decisions. And you know, drinking, especially smoking, makes you really lethargic and it's very distracting. But drinking especially ruins your sleep, makes you more anxious. Mm-hmm. It makes you depressed. And just 
overall, it's just terrible in so many ways. And people don't actually know because they never stop it long enough to figure out how bad it actually is, like how much it actually is affecting them. There is a, uh, there's something called a frequency chart. You guys can Google this afterwards for whatever. Right. But essentially like if you ever meet somebody for the first time and you instantly vibe with that person, it's because you're operating at the same frequency, right? There's a vibration there. You're on the same level. Well, when you drink and smoke, like especially smoking, like you, every smoker, you know, it's just like, don't do this, man. Like, I don't want to see you get into this. Like they all say the same thing, right? Don't ever, you know, don't you know who I used to be? Yeah. Right. Every smoker knows that it's bad and they shouldn't be doing that. Well, one of the lowest frequencies on that frequency chart, it's guilt and shame. So when you're doing stuff that you know you shouldn't be doing all of the time, you're operating out of guilt or shame. It's a very low frequency and it's very hard to get anything productive done when you're operating at that low frequency every single day, right? Mm. Same thing after you wake up after a night of drinking, you're going to be operating at a very low frequency. You're going to be at guilt probably, right? You're going to feel guilty about something you did that night or whatever, right? I don't know. Let me think about it after I go have an old fashioned. I'll get back to you on that. (laughs) No, Connor, that is such value. And I'm so glad that you really touched on that because especially with our young adults who don't understand decisions you're making today, habits or lifestyles that you're creating today that are affecting that success model that you're trying to create in whatever you're doing right now, whether in college or just starting your career, that you're you're causing yourself those stumbling blocks and to for you to lay it out that way of just this is real science. It was really powerful. Thank you. It's a real thing, right? And like yeah, like, I, like I was the partier. That's what everybody knew me as. I wasn't a good kid. Like I had these tattoos since I was like 16 years old and you know, people were, didn't even believe it when I stopped. They're like, ah, God, you didn't quit drinking. Get out of here. Right. So I'm telling you firsthand, it's, it's, it, that's the number one piece of advice when new agents come up to me and ask me, cause everyone will be like, Oh bro, like, do you have any advice for a new agent? I'm like, yeah, cut out all your vices. Watch your life will instantly take off give it three to six months, your life will take off from there. It's the number one piece. Nobody actually takes it. I don't think a single person has ever taken that advice, but yeah. it's the number one piece of advice. I love yeah, it. I can see. I understand it. It makes yeah. sense to me. Yeah. Uh, Capri, you uh, have any last my thoughts? Questions. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I totally took over that. Sorry about that. No, Ed, that was, you had, Ed, Ed, I have to say, really amazing questions today. All the times yeah. I pick on you in the past, you made up for it today. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks. I don't know. Connor, is that a backhanded compliment? Meaning the other interviews I really we, sucked at and this one. No, I we just pick at. on him and I feel bad. Ed for president today. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Capri, do you have any last thoughts? I'm just blown away by how much you've accomplished at this age. It kind of, I assume that we're not that far apart in age and it's really motivating to see how much someone can accomplish by just living the life that they want to, that they dreamed of. So that's really cool to see and hear in action. Well, I appreciate that. And I'm, I'm glad that it can be motivating to somebody. So thank you. So Connor, if people want to get a hold of you, they want to hear your story, maybe get coached up in the business. How do they find you, sir? I'm at that agent Kelly, all one word, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. Yeah. Perfect. Say it one more time for the folks. At that agent Kelly. That's K-E-L-L-Y. There Look it at is. you with a jacket on and everything. Boy, you, you clean up good. 
And we'll make sure that your link is in wherever you are listening or watching this podcast. The link will be there. You can reach out to Connor. Excellent. So listen, man, you went over time because you were compelling and interesting. I really appreciate you taking time out of your schedule. We're going to get you out of here. We're going to get the, the, uh, the podcast wrapped up on behalf of Capri Amy and myself, we'd like to thank Connor Kelly for being here. And as usual, we only ask a few things. One, if you like the message, give us a thumbs up. If you think it was something that you know another adult or a young adult would appreciate it, please share it. And then we do this thing every week. So subscribe so you can get more information from professionals like Connor uh, and other folks who do incredible things and just so happens at this point at a young age, as Capri alluded to, on behalf of the team, this has been the Education, Career, and Beyond podcast. We'll see you next time.